Welcome to the Speak Like a Leader podcast with John Bates. Welcome to the show. With me today is someone that I met uh, and have worked with over the years. Uh, He was the external innovation communication global head at Johnson & Johnson. And he has recently decided to take his life back and stepped out into the private world and is just gardening and doing coaching and spending time with his family, which I know he loves. And But he, uh, he over the last 20 years, was uh, you know a global head of communication at very large life sciences companies. He worked at Johnson & Johnson, obviously. He also worked at AstraZeneca. Um, he worked at Pfizer. You know, all the names that we are now much more familiar with uh, <laughs> post-pandemic um, or or mid-pandemic, I guess. Uh, and and so Oliver has dedicated his life to communications, and he's dedicated his life to healthcare and innovation and making a difference for patients who really are in need. And so he's a really great guy, and I am so thrilled that he finally has time to join me here on uh, the Speak Like a Leader podcast. So Oliver, welcome. Will you will you fill in any of the blanks that I left? I think you've done a tremendous job introducing me. Thank you for, for your flattering introduction. It's great to be on your podcast, John. Thanks for inviting well, me. Yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. Well, you know, I don't think that it's any secret that we have worked together uh, over the years and that we have really come to enjoy each other. And so I'm just, I'm just glad we get a chance to do this. And if, by the way, just to get this out, if you want to connect with Oliver, if you want to go find out more about Oliver, you can go to linkedin.com forward slash in forward slash Oliver Stolman. And I will spell that for you really quickly. It's <laughs> O-L-I-V-E-R-S-T-O-H-L-M-A-N-N. And I'll say it one more time. Oliver, O-L-I-V-E-R, S-T-O-H-L-M-A-N-N. So that's linkedin.com forward slash in forward slash Oliver Stolman. And uh, he's a certified communications trainer. He's a facilitator uh, and a personal and business coach. He's also, like me, a passionate dad, an avid skier. And unlike me, he's a professional hiking guide. So he's a great guy, a great guy to know. The amount Oliver, of facts welcome. you've collected about me is amazing. Thank you. <laughs> it's all true too. <laughs> well, thanks. you're welcome. So, so Oliver, you know, um, you recently uh, made a move uh-huh. out of the business world, um, at, you know, out of that high pressure corporate environment, which we're going to talk about because I think you've got a bunch of really great things to offer people from your time in that world. I think you can really, some of the things um, in your pre-publication blog post that I read and some of the things that we've talked about and some of our conversations leading up to this, I know you have a lot to offer people who are either entrepreneurs or in large corporations, ways to work within corporate culture, all that kind of stuff. So we're going to talk about all that stuff. But I, I, I think if I'm, if I'm not missing my mark, you had an event, you had one of those life-changing events in December of 2017. And I think that that led to some internal changes at work for you in the moment. But I think that also kind of ended up just popping you out of the corporate world altogether. Will you, will you, so that is, if that's true or not, but will you, will you tell us that story? Absolutely, I'm, I'm. I'm happy to. Although it's a, it's a very personal story that I've only told uh, colleagues in my company to date and never externally. 
Sorry, John. The phones. No, it's okay. The phones do keep ringing even when you leave corporate culture. <laughs> <laughs> it won't interrupt any longer. Uh, Don't but, but worry. Maybe I'll start that way. Thanks again for your kind, very kind introduction. Yes, like like you listed, you know, all these fantastic, uh, um, very successful companies. I had the privilege to work for. Uh, I've been the last twenty plus years an international, um, you know, comms leader in all these positions and companies with several of the world's uh, predominant. Uh, um, you know, pharma and life science companies. Um, but the pleasure that I took out of that, more than the great science even, was the uh, opportunity of working in all these diverse, not only roles, but countries, regions, with, with lots of, uh, you know, colleagues uh, of different cultural backgrounds and experiences, and, and learning from all these, you know, people and peers and team members yeah. and stakeholders that I was involved yeah. with. Um, and one key, uh, bef before I tell you my anecdote, uh, I, I want to just say one key responsibility in all these roles that I always felt I had was to ensure the speaking success of my uh, senior business leaders uh, yeah. and other company spokespeople, both externally, you know, in media interviews, in public speaking conferences, um, you know, whatnot, but also internally to inspire yeah. Um, employees and their teams yeah. and all that. And uh, that's also how you and I got to know each other. Let me clarify that because I've, uh, in, in that capacity, I have been enlisting the support of a range of specialized coaches. And uh, you've been one of the, the most, you know, the, one of those who've convinced me most of the power of investing in, uh, you know, shaping the speaking abilities of, of these leaders and spokespeople. Yeah. Uh, and that's, you know, Oliver, on that note, can I can I interject something real quick? Absolutely. Because I just got something and I think you might like it. And I would love to just hear what you think about it. Recently, somebody handed me this gem. They said, you know, think about pi. <laughs> P-I-E. Huh? Uh, P is your performance. I is the impression that you make. Uh -huh. And E is your brief moments of exposure I see. that you get like in front of the board or whatever. Right. So uh -huh. you're doing all this performance, right? Like 98% of your time is performing uh -huh. and you're doing all this great performance. But then if you get up in that moment of exposure and it doesn't go well, that it's like, you know, it's a multiplier, right? And if it's less than one, uh -huh. it actually hurts you. Yep. Right. So I like that pie concept. <laughs> yeah, it's really, isn't that good? We'll get back, I think, to the E in the pie later in the conversation. What I relate the E to spontaneously is the word emotions, because in all these steps, you know, of the pie, I would argue to create that emotional connection with the audience, whether that's the board yep. or the white public or the journalist, yeah. you know, who then decides what he writes or she writes about the interview. If you don't, manage to create that emotional connection all the facts everything you know hardly counts uh, if you can't touch people and uh, make um, the information you're sharing relatable to them and relevant to them right amen brother yes <laughs> absolutely okay absolutely well, let me let let, let me uh, uh, answer your request and and tell you. Uh, I'll try to be brief. Uh, you know about that. Uh, I, I would call it probably a life-defining moment because it's true. You've done your research well. Yeah. Um, I, I I I had. I, uh, in my view, this defining moment that made me rethink my whole career at the time, my, my career path so far, my values and how I wish to spend my future days, and which also helped me develop a, a deep appreciation, to be honest, for what I have in life already, my values, my family, all the things that are important in addition to a rewarding um, career. And mm. the whole story starts and ends and happens on December the 13th, 2017. And I remember the date so well because it's a special day in my life. It's my daughter's 17th birthday. Oh. And that particular December 13th in 2017 happened to be a really chilly, cold winter night, a few days before Christmas, obviously. Uh, and after a very long office day, I'm driving home on the highway. I, we used to live in New Jersey at that point uh, because I wanted to, to catch her before she goes out with her friends. I wanted to congratulate her and spend a few moments. So it's that bitter cold, you know, winter night. I'm driving home the highway 
almost deserted snow begins to kick in and i'm driving i should mention a little car it's a fantastic little car but it's a little car a ford fiesta red <laughs> a little tin can it, it, there's not much protection around you let me let me leave it there uh, and i'm driving and you know hanging in my thoughts and trying to get home and before i know it all of a sudden there's this big loud you know bang something connects with my car the brakes are screeching the horn is shrieking all the alarm system of this little car sounds like like hell like crazy <laughs> all the lights inside the car outside the car everything starts blinking and it goes oh porn you know it doesn't stop uh, it smells i remember that. I, i'll never forget that smell it smells of burning rubber going up in my nostrils and all i know is i've lost total control of the car i, I cannot see what What's happening because all the airbags imagine all around you know all the windows uh, have suddenly inflated and of course are obscuring my view through any of the windows glass is shattering i'm just feeling this major force push me along the highway sideways <laughs> oh. at any moment I I, I i i remember i thought any moment i'll be squashed against a wall or something at the side of the motorway or my tiny little car will just roll over and be kicked over by whatever has crashed into it so that i mean continues like it felt like an eternity of course it was probably just seconds everything comes to a halt the car alarms and the lights are still continuing to blink and blast really loudly but at least the the, the motion has stopped so slowly I'm, i'm getting my senses together and i'm trying the driver's door and And luckily, it's opening, so I'm, so I'm getting out into the chilly night air, turning around side, sideways to spot this huge U.S. size, you know, lorry. Yeah. On it is, is still firmly connected into the side of my little car. And, and the lorry, I mean, I don't need to describe American lorries to you, but maybe for, for audiences in other countries, I mean, that's easily 20 or 30 times larger than my little, you know, small uh, plastic car. Uh, and lorry and, is truck for people in America. Sorry, I, I, I used to be in the UK too before that, so I'm still mixing some of the terms. I do apologize. So the truck is still connected as we stand there, connected, you know, in, 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 in the middle of the highway into my car. And the young black driver is chomping down from the driver's cabin in shock himself and i remember he he, he mutters oh man you're right so things take their course we, we are both all right luckily it's just damage to the cars uh the highway patrol arrives you know they test both drivers for alcohol and the usual thing drugs uh ages seem to go by uh until a towing truck takes me and my car off the scene but it is Probably not before I was sitting in that towing truck next to the driver, still shivering from, I, I think, not only the, the cold, but the shock of what you know, yeah, has just course. happened. Yeah. Uh, and it, 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 it occurred to me that this could easily have been my, my very last drive home. Uh, mm. and that my daughter's birthday might potentially ne never have been the same ever again so without wanting to to to, to dramatize this more for, for in my life this was a pretty you know stark um, thing to happen I've, i've never had an accident of whatever you know dimension before that and from there with with a probably a, a regained consciousness and resolve for what is as i said earlier what's important in life or what should be important in life i first changed within the company i i, I used to work for into a, a new role uh, to help drive Uh, more and more relevant innovation to patients. Uh, uh, by the way, just a minor moment. Sure. Wasn't that the World Without Disease Initiative? Oh, yeah. Ha happy to, to tell you a bit Which, about that. We, let's yes. come back to that in a second. Because yeah. that, I mean, I just love those worlds, uh, those yeah. words, right? No, very, so, very happy anyway, to, but, to, to uh, elaborate about that a, a bit yeah. as well. But I'm, I'm, I'm at my story's end because I, what really I just wanted to say is I, it, it did something, you know, going through that did something in me. It, it, it did make me, make me rethink how I wanted to live, what career I wanted to have. Uh, and the first step, uh, the first consequence was, as I just mentioned, I changed out of the current job where I led, uh, you know, communications for the pharma um sector of johnson johnson into new role more broadly you know helping drive uh the way the company connects with external partners with external innovation and together 
ideally, you know, can achieve more uh, and bring more innovation of all sorts, uh, health-related innovation to patients and consumers in need. And then following three years of setting up, uh, helping to set up, you know, that new innovation-focused change unit, which is now up and running and in really good hands with our business leaders led by Dr. Bill Haidt, uh, it ultimately led to my decision to depart big industry altogether, at least for now at this junction and, and yeah. refocus my life and the impact I could have towards hopefully a meaningful new purpose. Yeah. Awesome. So yes, if you're listening and you're wondering, that means that right now Oliver is, uh, is available for coaching gigs and, and <laughs> consulting gigs, but I happen to know he's really loving his gardening. So you're going to, you know, it'd be hard to drag him out of that. <laughs> that is so true. I'm really enjoying the newly gained uh, freedom, at least for a while. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, so, um, that's one of those moments, you know, Oliver. And it's funny because I always think about, uh, I think, you know, I guess it's Tony Robbins or someone like that. Some, maybe somebody before him who said, you know, your income is going to be the average of your five closest friends income, you know? And I'm like, oh, well, maybe I need richer friends, you know, <laughs> but, but then, <laughs> but then I was thinking about it and I was like, well, what is the what is the relevance among me and the people that I feel very close to? Yeah. Right. Cause I mean, their income, like whatever. One of the things that I've realized is that I think that one defining thing about the, the people that I feel close to, and you're one of those people over, uh, we, you, you know, we're, we don't have dinner every night because you're on another continent, but, but, uh, you know, you and then another person that you know that's a good friend of mine who's been on this podcast, Melinda Richter. Um, and and a, and and I started to realize, wow, I've got a number of friends who all had that moment mm -hmm. when they had that brush with death, didn't die, and it and allowed it to really change their lives, mm -hmm. you know, because I think that people can have a brush with death and it may not always change their lives, right? Mm -hmm. I have a dear, dear friend who was a chain smoker and yeah. had a brush with death and didn't let it change his yeah. life. And he's gone, yeah. you know? Um, so, uh, so I think that that's, you know, that's one of those, that's a really great story and it's a really great realization and it really, you let it change your life. I just want to acknowledge you for that. Yeah, it's it's uh it's uh, not easy to do that when you think uh, or when you are in a very successful, very long, potentially in an international career. But I also want to be fair and not uh, probably directly relate my experience to that of other people who, without of any of their doing, I was at least driving my car, and I don't think yeah. it was my fault either. But uh, you know, there are people in life who are hit by a disease without seeing it coming, uh, and out of that, as you mentioned, you know, they may or may not be able to do something effective uh, yeah. about that and use that as a help to change their life. And some will never have that opportunity or didn't have that opportunity. Yeah. That's why, I, if you permit me, John, uh, can I come back to that world without disease concept you just Let's mentioned a moment yeah. ago? Because it's so exciting. I, a big part of why I decided years and years ago to join first Janssen and then Johnson and Johnson, and uh, you might know, you do know John, and uh, your, your audience might know that Janssen is the pharmaceutical companies of Johnson and Johnson. Uh, so it's basically the same enterprise. The, one yeah. of the biggest reasons I decided to join that enterprise after already a long um, diverse industry career was exactly that what we've internally called or are still calling the world without disease approach and that is led by the the, the person i just mentioned a few minutes ago dr william height who's now the head of external innovation for the breadth of johnson and johnson uh, including the pharma part but also me uh, medical devices and consumer health products uh, and in a snapshot what intrigued me about that and what i find so worthwhile getting behind not just a company like jnj but mm. you know many companies companies and other stakeholders and government-led organizations, ideally, and patient organizations, is this, um, this approach of why would we even wait, like we've largely done to date, until a disease befalls you or me and we are properly diagnosed with something Oh, and often and usually in some diseases, like take lung cancer or Alzheimer's or many dreadful diseases, yeah. uh, 
that diagnosis happens still at a very, very late stage when for many, it might be too late to do something meaningful about that. For others, they might have a lucky escape. But uh, Dr. Haidt, who happens to be um, 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 a doctor um, uh, as well, and who's treated patients for you know forty around forty years of his life, and started the New Jersey Cancer Institute as the managing director, his approach was always, and I remember him as I speak here when he says, "Well, I've never in all those forty years met patients who came to me saying." Dr. Hyde, I'm so grateful I've developed cancer because (laughs) I can now come and see you and be healed by you. No, nobody wants that cancer in the first place. Everybody wants to remain healthy. So why as a company, as an industry, as a society, as a world, don't we change that trajectory and that approach from which honestly to date is disease care. We wait until somebody has a disease to then start doing something about it with a few exceptions where we are already a bit more proactive, a few, few diseases, but why, why don't we change that radically and, 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 and change that um, whole trajectory and that whole approach and say, let's do whatever we can to diagnose a disease when it's probably not even a disease when it's a developing disease when it's early in the in that example maybe pre-malignant symptoms not manifested cancer yet and then intervene and see how how we can prevent that disease or intercept that disease or at least if both fails cure that disease rather than manage it you know lifelong in many places and it it won't happen you know all at the same time it might not happen quickly but what made me really proud about this company and being in in this uh, wonderful industry in the first place is you you can really look yourself in the mirror every day and 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 say to say to yourself i'm trying my best whatever your personal background whether you're in communications like you and i or whether you're an hr specialist or a scientist or a financial accountant or whatever whatever your background is but you can you can be that little wheel that makes a little contribution towards a radically new and different and very very important goal and that's literally liberating the world from disease might be an ambitious title we did uh, may i may i add we did consider the title uh create let's create a world with a little less disease until we (laughs) said that might not be compelling enough (laughs) (laughs) to to read out so we we set on creating a world without disease i think that's really great and i i i do think that that's i'm just so glad i was so glad a few years ago when that you know got announced and you guys were talking about it and we were talking about it i th- i think that's really really fabulous it it you know it's one of the reasons that i really enjoy supporting johnson and johnson cuz i i do think that you know th- that's just a fabulous goal yeah, and I, I, I have to do real chance. I know I mentioned him twice, but I want to mention him one last time, and that's Dr. Hyde, William Hyde. I mean, he's been the sparehead who developed that vision, has pursued it for years. I remember, again, years ago, I think seven or eight years ago, when I interviewed from Herola Johnson Johnson, he was one of the interviewers, and he was one of he was probably the first people who ever interviewed me for a job who did not quiz me on who are you, what have you done, what university degrees, you know, what companies have you had experience with he 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 turned it flipped it around and told me about his vision of creating with all these partners and stakeholders one day a world properly without disease and i thought oh my god i've at that point i'd already worked in the industry for about 15 or so years i thought that's such a different to your point of executive speaking that was just the job interview that he conducted it wasn't even a speech uh, yeah. but uh, that was so powerful and the way he connected with me on the basis of that vision was so groundbreaking that i i know yeah. i'm not the only one not the first one who joined in this case this company uh you know for that vision for that inspiration for the power of how he connected in that on that morning over a breakfast conversation with me as his only audience so um yeah thank him for a lot of that inspiration well there you go i mean and that's the thing about all of this communication stuff is a lot of times people think about it in terms of being on stage in front of a huge audience or whatever yeah but it 
it all it all matters just the same on a one-on-one basis or a small group basis or in a meeting basis or you know with your family or your loved ones i mean all that stuff it's just this it's the fabric of life i think is communication you know the one thing i learned and that's probably conventional wisdom uh, let, let me just have it out quickly the one the one thing I, I i still after 20 plus years of my career i'm still thinking about a lot and i've learned somewhere on the way is there's such different ways of communicating and of course oh. there's lots of recipes and lots of philosophies and lots of very good coaches and in-house communications you know people like me who who, oh. who who help their leaders become more effective but a major major maybe the key difference for me is and i related to it at the beginning of our conversation is to to be able to to create that emotional connection with any audience whether that's with me as yeah. a candidate over breakfast or whether that's with an audience of millions over a ted talk that is broadcast into the whole world uh, yeah. if you don't manage that to evoke those emotions people will not um, think differently they will unlikely act differently after that uh, yeah. you know uh, conversation yeah. or that presentation or that interview uh, and you can be the greatest expert with all the knowledge that you have if all you do is download the most compelling in your view facts but it remains unrelatable facts people will usually find it that unrelatable and they will forget forget them really uh, and, yeah. and if you manage you know to bring that to life and that's where that's where your 40 is as i you know got to know you over the years and that's why i've seen you be very very effective with some of the leaders that I worked with and I consulted you, you know, on uh, to, to, to help them create that emotional connection with the audience. And out of that, maybe not surprisingly, but I've also seen people really change as speakers in that I saw people shed their worries and their fears and begin to yeah. not only like but really enjoy public speaking people who I, i'm thinking back as i'm talking here of one particular person at uh, my my latest company who started as a person who confided that was probably in the first half year of me having joined jnj uh the 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 person confided in me about their fear their scare in yeah. speaking in, of speaking in front of audiences and that was in the break just before she went up on stage in a completely company internal small audience you know event of about you know she would speak in front of about 50 people and was really scared stiff and then you know i i, I didn't want to give up because she she's a fantastic relatable business leader in other settings and i thought she has yeah. such potential if only we can help her and guide her uh so i i i think it was me or or I, i'm not even sure it was me but one of our colleagues it might have been the the you know melinda richter who you mentioned a yeah. ago, but yeah. one of the two of us connected her with you that speaker and within i would think a, a six month or so period of working with her i saw the difference you know that that made and then uh and i i i was still intensely also you know checking in with her and uh listening to her in different settings i thought wow you know that's been a big major i would call it even a u-turn like 180 degrees yeah. different just the <laughs> i remember there and you know who, who i'm talking right yeah. yes, and, uh, yeah. and then let me let me just say say this last sentence and then another three months later to my greatest surprise she began calling me and uh you know um we interacted a lot we she was a peer on the same leadership team with me and she started making these requests to me as the communications leader of that team can i can you help me create more opportunities for public speaking and for internal yeah. speaking with large audience i thought oh my god that's the same person who some eight <laughs> nine months ago told me what Ever she hated about speaking in front of audiences, what she, how she would mess up in the next, you know, in this next presentation and so forth, and you completely turned her around. And I've seen yeah. that. I've seen you do that with several people in this company. So, so I mean, maybe belated, but but thank you very much, John, for the yeah, help you're you gave very me welcome. and you're, those speakers. Well, it's such. I mean, it's why this job is so rewarding, right? I, to to watch that kind of a transformation, yeah. and you know what they all have in common, Oliver, is they they were all really like they were committed you know they cared about what they did they yeah. cared they had a really empowering context they all still do have a really empowering context for what they're doing and all we really needed to do was get rid of some of the things that were in their blind spots some of the things that were in their way and 
all of a sudden, like there was no question of the commitment. There was no question of the ability. There was no, none of that was a question. There were just some things that were in the way. When we move those out of the way, boom. Yeah. You know, true. it's just, it's amazing. It's so, it's so fulfilling. And I do remember, can I just uh, out you a little bit here? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Sure. sure yeah, of course. Absolutely. That, but I do remember one particular observation I made in this same example with that same leader was that at one point, right before she would walk on a main stage, uh, right before her first big speech after you know going through your coaching for a while, you, you, you did seem to master a kind of light sword fight with her on stage as part of your oh. prep. Yes, uh, we, I don't yeah, know if we had a we want to talk about that a little bit, but I found that a very, very striking um technique to 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 apply <laughs> at, at, yeah. at that time. Was it was we so because yeah, you know, I think anybody who knows me very well knows that I've got my pack of lightsabers. I've got my my uh quiver of lightsabers and uh and I think that I was probably reminding her to make the audience the hero, right? And uh and I, you know, I said, don't be Luke, be Yoda. Mm -hmm. And uh instead of just showing off with the lightsaber myself, I gave one to her and I had one, and we had a good old lightsaber duel, which kind of, you know, that also helps burn off a little bit of the that that energy, uh -huh. you know. Uh -huh. At first, it's nervous energy. That's when you're focused on yourself. It's nervous. But then uh -huh. the minute that we focus on the audience, we don't call it nervous anymore. We call it excited. Uh -huh. Still same energy, dripping sweat, quivering voice. <laughs> but because we're focused on the audience, it's not nervous anymore. It's excited. So uh -huh. I got her in touch with her excitement about speaking versus her nervousness. We got a little bit of that energy out with those lightsabers. And, and that was a total blast. Whatever you did, it, it did work. I can testify to that. And uh, I saw that and many other examples since. The, uh, the, the reactions to that particular performance that day were overwhelming. So yeah. good. You know, the audience was thrilled. She herself was like enthusiastic. So <laughs> yeah. I hope you were happy as well. <laughs> but it's, one of, it's really one oh, of the memories happy. I'm holding on to because uh, I've seen as I said, I've I've worked and seen uh, very uh, worked with and seen very effective um, speaking coaches, uh, uh -huh. and uh, some of the examples that I observed live and some of the things I've learned from you. And I hope I can you know pass on some of uh, what I've learned as well in our conversation, mm. in our personal private conversations occasionally. Uh, but that's in that that's always been inspiring. And um, you think you're at a certain age and you've seen it all, and you keep discovering you haven't because there's always more. <laughs> you know, to, to, to uh, learn and uh, more to develop. So, so thank you for all yeah. that, John. Oh, you're so welcome. I mean, and you know, I think, I think we're both old enough that we've seen a lot, but I keep reminding myself beginner's mind. And some days it's a little bit more effort than other days. You know, some days that I already know this voice is pretty loud, but it's just, it's more fun anyway, isn't it? To just yeah. keep, you know, keep learning. And so, uh, so Oliver, you, you did 20 years in large corporations and I feel like, you know, I, I, you, you sent me over that, uh, that pre-publication, mm -hmm. uh, blog post. Will you tell, where is that going to be? Uh, do you, cause by the time this comes out, that'll probably be up and people could go there and find your article. Cause I think it's a good article and maybe we can talk about just kind of the overarching idea in there, but where is that going to be posted? And I'll put yeah. it in the show notes too. It's a, it's a global trade, a pharma and life science trade publication called Pharma Forum, both uh, one word, uh, both uh, on a P and H, P, uh, pharma uh, and forum, also spelled on PH. PH, yeah. Uh, they're based in the UK. They work internationally. They work with all these large and, and many smaller companies. Uh, and um, I, I uh, was asked to uh, you know, develop and publish a blog on that, on that uh, publication uh, to share some of the experiences I gained working in all these local and regional and global life science, you know, communications jobs. And, and, and if I can, you know, offer some little tips for people to, who are either in a large corporation of any type uh, to better enjoy 
their big business career. Or if you're a young person, a young professional aspiring to join one of those large corporations, maybe to help you prepare a little bit for that setting yeah. and, uh, you know, succeed in, in, in those large organizational settings. And as I said, enjoy them. And maybe, you know, w with a cheeky smile, maybe even survive <laughs> those, those yeah. organizations better. So I, the, I, I call the whole series, which is emerging, you know, I'm, uh, by the time this um, podcast publishes, you might look at the first, maybe at the second of those blog posts, but they'll be called uh, along the lines of corporate survival hacks. And they're with a twinkling, they're written with a twinkling eye, but I, I am sharing genuine experience. Some of it very simple, very basic, but I hope very effective for people. It's basically ideas that I'm wanting others to know and uh, ideally to benefit from or, or match with their own, you know, whatever has worked or is working for them as well. So this first one, I don't want to make it too long or too deep, but uh, we're starting on the my my uh, you know ten top tips on time management uh, because how you manage your time, especially in these large um, industry jobs, uh, will make a major difference for how not only how you get for through your day and and what your quality of life is, but also how effectively you'll reach your goals that are set yeah. you know for you or that you set yourself. Yeah. Uh, uh, I keep thinking time management uh, maybe paired with good. Uh, prioritization is probably the critical two things you 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 must sort of have a, a plan for uh, to you know, to to succeed in these in these settings. And Oliver, it's one of the things that's been coming up with me in some of my coaching sessions. It certainly comes up for me for myself. Could we talk about prioritization for a second? And I'll tell you my particular question here. It prioritizing. I just you know. I guess I could have known this before, but I just re-realized re it when I was reading a book a few months ago, like six months ago, a year, um, you know, it, it pointed out that prioritizing is one of the hardest things our brain does. It, there's nothing that's harder. It's on the same level as any other extremely difficult uh -huh. mental computation uh -huh. that we do. Uh, when you measure the brain, you see the glucose being used and the oxygen being used in the activity. Like it's, it's among the hardest things we do prioritizing. And I think that I am so lazy, Oscar, uh, 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 Oliver, excuse me. Um, I have a cousin named, I have a nephew named Oscar and I, his picture's right over there. I was looking at his picture. Um, so I, I think I'm so lazy that instead of prioritizing for most of my life, I just tried to do it all yeah. because yeah. that actually seemed yeah. easier. And I think uh, that's a particularly important. Just the realization <laughs> in itself is important to succeed and enjoy mm -hmm. a corporate role because you're, 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 you're John self-employed. You can make your own goals. You don't, I'm sure there's many, many, you know, powers that, drive you and your business, but ultimately you're the boss. Imagine that person who sits in a large, maybe international organization is one of 30,000 or 150,000 employees. There's no shortage of, prioritize, uh, of, of priorities uh, coming at you from other people who are actually yeah. usually their priorities for you, yeah. but that's your yeah. boss, your peer, the business group you work with, your your customer as well, your own team. Uh, so if you're not careful, if you if you if you don't develop that um, discipline or a approach, you know, to setting your priorities, uh, i.e., if you have no priorities you're victim to being driven by other people's and maybe even random priorities that aren't really, you know, the true priorities for the organization or for what you really have to achieve. So some of the, and I'm, I'm, I don't consider myself a guru in this field. As I said, I'm sharing what's worked for me, what made yeah. a difference for me, what, what, what realization and experience I had after, you know, having changed my own approach to some of these things like time management or different uh, approaches to prioritize my work. But the one of the underlying very basic pieces of advice I, I like to tell people is first have a plan, you know, just uh, whether yeah. it's on A or B or C, I, I hardly 
care so much about as long as you know how you go about prioritizing your day or your calendar you know it's amazing how mm. in, in again i don't want to lash out too much about large organizations it's it's probably <laughs> the same in in very small organizations as long as there are several people coming together you know behind behind a piece of work or a project uh but if you're not careful about and you will notice if you're not careful about what your day looks like uh, uh, and you don't uh, I, uh, at some point in my life I realized if I don't start proactively blocking simple example blocking my own calendar for other people to see that there's you know a chunk blocked in the morning that says you know work through your emails you know and another half hour that says uh feed your social media channels and then there's probably two or three hours that says you know uh, work quietly without interruption on key projects you know those must achieve you know must advance things and then of course there's always a chunk in every pe person's day for meetings for calls for all the things that also have to happen but if i just let it flow to your point then uh other events other people will take over my day and my calendar completely and they will start just dropping meetings into the white spaces they see not knowing uh, how could they you know that i'm i actually need yeah. to also advance real work and not just have you know 10 hours or 12 hours of calls and meetings a day and so forth so first have a plan that's my my very foundational <laughs> simple advice well and you know and i think that it's really important and it's something that i've gotten better at over the last several years and especially that i <laughs> i had to get much better at during the whole you know covid thing um is to to put time in my calendar where i it's meet it's time for me yeah. to 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 wrap things up to get a handle on things, to prioritize, to, you know, lay out what I'm going to do next, to actually write up some of the things I need to write up. And, and, um, you know, cause I was just getting dragged all over, like you were saying by, by my clients priorities, you know, and, and I didn't have a real plan for when lay was scheduling my coaching calls and things like that. So, you know, now we've, we've come up with much more of a plan of try to group these things together, try to give me some free block time. And I've blocked out some time myself and yeah. said, you know, you can move this, but you can't schedule over it, yeah. <laughs> you know, things like that. And it just makes a huge difference. I, 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 I use color codes, uh, John, and that's after like, <laughs> I don't know, 20 plus years of my career, I've started using color codes. And I, I actually, you mentioned Lay, who's a fantastic uh, assistant, of course, to you. I, I had mine in, in, in uh, Johnson Johnson. You have to make them part of the plot. You know, if, if, if they, yeah. if, if, if you want them to be effective in the spirit of how you prioritize, they need to know, you know, how you're going, uh, about it the color code thing is very simple and that's just one suggestion people might have you know different uh, approaches and different ideas that work for them i, I i'm using I'm, I'm coloring my appointments in my calendars either green or yellow or red the green ones oh. is stuff that is uh, usually project work but it doesn't have to happen between 10 and 11 today if my assistant or myself needs that window for something else important we can move that green block to somewhere else as long as it, it, it you know it, it prevails somewhere in that week uh, the red ones obviously uh, I, i'm not touching that's firm commitments that need to happen at that very time and uh, take the time you know that they're in the calendar for and then the yellow is somewhere in between they're really important and with my assistant i'm typically asking her if it's a yellow commitment you're 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 needing to move talk to me first you know let's jointly decide whether we can really shift that whether it's more important to keep it in that slot or we can shift it and swap it for something else brief wisdom yeah well i mean and you know simple solutions to that that make you able to tackle complex problems right well i hope they do i, I hope they they work for some you know others who hear this and uh might think uh, let's try this out you know that i've not tried yeah. that before i've learned so much from other people and uh i have to say to your topic and to your question about you know prioritization and your own admission you know in that in that area i i learned so much in my latest you know uh job in johnson johnson from my peers from other people and one of the critical things that uh, was a real revelation for me was the thought of if you make everything a priority like you just sounded you know there's so many important things of course when you're self-employed every client is probably equally important or at least somewhere you know equally important but if everything and everybody becomes a priority really nothing is 
No. Uh, yeah. If all you look That's... at is priorities, then you know what is really important, so it stands out uh, as the one uh, number one or number two or number three one. So a part of prioritizing effectively, in my view also has to be to deprioritize other things and deciding. Yeah. And that's a hard decision, both in, in, in large you know, teams as well as as an individual you know, um, professional. It's a very, very hard, I find, to uh, you know, decide that anything is not supposed to be a key priority and maybe shouldn't yeah. be done at all and, you know, or, or, or will be only done you know, if you know, there's enough time left at the end of the day or, or, or at the week. But yeah. uh, effective prioritization uh, requires you to also be hard on yourself and deprioritize some, some other things. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree more. One of the things that I offer some of the people that I coach with is, you know, you could always say, well, what would you like me to deprioritize to get this done? <laughs> you know, <laughs> because it is actually you know, like there's, they're really, everybody has 24 hours and everybody only has 24 hours. And, uh, you know, and I think that we're getting a lot clearer on the importance of sleeping during some of that oh, time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And then I don't know, don't know about you, John. Uh, my natural tendency has always also been for a long time when, you know, when I look at all this load of things that need to happen today that I tend to, or used to tend to start on the easy ones, the quick ones, the, the, well, the stuff you want to get yeah. out of the way, to then properly yeah. at the end of the day be able to really focus on the one big, really important thing. I learned over time that never happens because by the no. time you know you get to lunch, I mean there's so much more piled on your you know your calendar and your your day's uh, agenda that uh, it takes you ages, and then you shift the big thing over to the next day and over to the next day and over to the end of the week. Yeah. So I have, and that wasn't easy for me at least. Uh, I I've turned around that approach completely. And when I can, I really try to start on the big, massive, that daunting big thing. But yeah. I know if that's the big priority, if that's probably the only or one of the top two priorities, I really need to start there. And if I get yeah. to it, then, you know, to cover the, the smaller fry at the end or again, you know, decide to ditch some of them. Yeah. Well, you know, in your article, which I think people should go find and read, cause I think it's good. Um, you talked about something that I, I had a big problem with for a long time. I would go through my email. <laughs> I would put all the important stuff aside, yeah, yeah. answer all the unimportant stuff, yeah. and then never, ever get back yeah. to the important stuff. I was like doing opposite prioritizing. Yeah. It was, it, And I was like, wait a minute, <laughs> you know, this is not working. Yeah. Well, I, I, that's one of the things I, I, and I didn't invent this. I, I read that, I heard it somewhere. And that's one of the, the things I really, really decided to apply at the very point of my career. I remember almost the, the week when I changed my approach to, to dealing with emails, because up to that point, I, I was exactly like you're just describing. Uh, but that, that advice that I read and then consequently began to apply was, uh, I call it a one touch policy. So every email I would, I've developed the discipline to touch every email once only. If it's an important email, it has to be, it's important enough to get it out of the way now, act upon it, do something with it. But up to that point, what I used to do was with the big daunting emails, I would open them, read them, think through quickly, you know, what uh, approach I would take, then close it there again, because it takes too much time now, focus on all the other fry, and then in the evening or the next day, open it again, which means you need additional time to read it again. You need to develop your, your fresh thinking about it. You're probably closing it once again to then deal with it on the weekend when you have more time. And I, I stopped doing that at some point. And that was one of the biggest, I still have a crazy full email box, but it made such yeah. a difference to develop the discipline to say, I'm touching it once and decide there on the spot, is it important enough to act upon it? In which case I do act now. If it takes, whether it yeah. takes 15 minutes or two minutes, I get it out of the way might be something I decide to file, which I also dis uh, see as acting upon it. So I put it in a file so, so I can, in a filing system, so I can find it when I need it uh, and I need to refer to it later. Or the third, the only third path is, you know, deprioritize it and delete it. Uh, and again, it, 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 the, the other effect it has, John, for me at least, is I like a clear view of my priorities, including my email priorities. Yeah. So when there's yeah. hundreds or thousands of emails sitting there, 
either opened or unopened. It obscures my view, I find, of the, what's really important when I deal with every email quickly uh, and, and just screen through them and, and apply this one-touch policy. It helps me keep my mailbox down and file things yeah. away or delete them and keeps keeps my view on uh, of, of what's 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 important, what's relevant, what's what what needs to be done today or tomorrow. Yeah, uh, it's, it's good. It's helped me. Yeah. So, so, you know, we do, so, you know, it's speak like a leader and I think we're getting, you know, we're, we're kind of getting near the end of the time that we've got, but I wonder what are, you know, Hmm. from your 20 years of leading comms at these large global organizations and working with diverse audiences and diverse clientele and diverse leaders that you're supporting from all kinds of different countries and backgrounds and cultures, what are a couple of things that you would just, you know, think are important for people to think about if yeah. they want to have an impact out there in the world and they want to make a difference and they want to be great leaders and great communicators? What are some things like as you look back over that arc of 20 years, yeah. what are some recurring themes maybe? Well, some uh, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned uh, the uh, cross-cultural experience I've had because once I'm really proud of you know that particular opportunity, uh, and it's helped me learn a lot about humans and uh, the difference and the diversity across the planet in humans. But also, it's helped me understand more, at least. Uh, about the importance of being culture savvy in lead, uh, senior leader speaking uh, and, and also yeah. their coaching process, uh, both, uh, you know, to bring out the best in those speakers like like me from other cultural and language backgrounds, as you can hear, uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, with any kind of audience, as well as make them more effective with their international. Today, typically in these large organizations, at least we are speaking to international audiences internally yeah. as well as externally. So, uh, and that's where I know you have a lot of experience and clients in, in all these, you know, uh, diverse cultural uh, settings mm. as well, John. So I know you, yeah. you, you know what I'm talking about and appreciate yeah. that. But more to your point, uh, and, and I'm trying to, to put it simply, I mean, the one point I've made twice or three times in this conversation uh, that I'm big on is about emotion. I think any investment in the right content, you know, have the right facts at hand, the right examples to, to, to convince an audience, that's fine but if you don't manage to uh, connect emotionally with that audience to excite them to fascinate them to inspire them then you've likely failed uh, in 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 that uh, job of you know speaking whether that is to your earlier example you know convince a board of some business idea or convince a journalist or any any kind of audience so yeah. you need to work on that ability to tell a great story um uh and uh i I, uh, maybe my my other point uh, let me make two more points both very simple my one other point is also to keep things simple uh Mm. i I think the greatest stories are usually not that that are relatable that are easy to understand easy to follow easy to you know act upon they are usually really clear really simple concepts they're not convoluted with everything say a scientist knows about their science they the greatest speakers among the scientists they have this ability to break down everything they know to what's really important for the audience to know and catch them in that sweet spot and then once you've hooked the audience and they are attentive and they give you a bit more listening time then you can expand the story and tell them more about the the background and how you got there and what other alternatives you tried and all and all that Uh, and maybe my third and, and and final point here is to achieve that. Uh, I think it's a really really important investment of time and energy and sometimes uh, uh, some budget as well to work with professional uh, coaches, trainers, maybe your in-house communications partner. But there's fabulous external coaches like yourself as well who can help. Uh, I think to to save in that area of effective speaking, effective communication is a big miss in those places where you know uh, companies uh, try to save there, uh, because when you lose, if you lose that effect, if you lose that ability to tell a great story and convince 
first the inside employees and get them behind your business and your you know business concepts but also then the external world around you your client base the partners you need maybe the 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 the, the politicians and decision makers you need you know to succeed with your strategy or your service or your product if you fail there you failed a great deal and uh, the science might be very compelling the product might be fabulous but if you can't communicate it appropriately if you can't open the eyes of an audience of a customer of a patient in in the case of uh, you know the, the 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 healthcare industry you might not uh, you know invest in developing that product or that medicine in the first place because nobody yeah. will want to have it yeah. so i hope that's not too bold but i'm, I'm i've, I've uh, seen the difference between great professionals great business leaders and the difference between that and the same great business leaders and professionals plus having been you know uh, de uh developing those great communications and speaking skills and uh yeah. when you when you look across the ranks in large and small organizations of who typically is at the top at the helmet leading these organizations they're all good at their professional bike background usually uh but those real senior leaders they're usually then in addition terrific as a spokesperson yeah you know uh, you remind me of something that that dawned on me fairly recently uh, I realized that I was really suffering from the fact that I was always the best speaker at the conference, which doesn't sound so bad. You know, I found yeah. if I wasn't the best speaker, <laughs> I was one bad? of the top three, you mm -hmm. know, and, and, and like, and, but that's a real problem. I think that's a real problem because what was happening is, yeah, okay, I was the best speaker at the conference, like one of the t top two or three best speakers, but the bar was so low, right? I was never going to reach my full potential by being the best speaker at this conference or that conference, you know? Um, and in a way, I, that was holding me back from reaching my full potential. So, you know, I'm really glad that I went to Ted and kind of got a little slap in the face about that um, because that's what had me realize that this is just a mountain without a top yeah. and it just makes all the difference in the world. You know, an idea in my head is just a fantasy. If I can't communicate it out into yeah. the world, it makes no difference at all. So, so I think that that's, you know, that's one of the fulfilling things about what you and I do is to really have people's way of communicating about their ideas match how great their ideas are. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. How do you, I mean, in, in my background, particularly of innovation communications, how do you communicate effectively compelling, groundbreaking innovation without yeah. communicating innovatively, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> right. The yeah. position. <laughs> That's so funny. So funny. Thank you, John, for the nice, warm, uh, lovely tasting virtual coffee you offered me over this breakfast conversation that we had. You are really so enjoyed welcome. That. I'm really, really grateful to you for taking the time. I really, you know, it, it's really good to hear these things. It's really good to reconnect with you. Um, I wish you a lot of fun in the garden. And, <laughs> uh, and I'm sure that people can reach out to you via LinkedIn if they if they want to talk to you, um, you know, uh, we will put that into the show notes and I, I gave your LinkedIn address at the beginning. Um, anything else you'd like to say to just wrap it up? Not really. I mean, you, you've made my point. I love to, to stay connected with people. You know, I, I now have had the opportunity to, of developing such a large and international network, which has been a great pleasure to work in that yeah. global uh, way uh, for, for a person with a small country personal background like like me so so yeah. thank you for inviting me uh to your program i hope people will uh, at least have you know found uh, the one or other thoughts that made you think well i could probably try that out maybe the email prioritization thing or something else yeah. if not yeah. happy to have people connect with me for more of my um you know sometimes conventional uh wisdom sometimes hopefully uh you know wisdom that is a bit um, more helpful but i'm really really happy to connect and stay connected so please via linkedin uh john mentioned the profile do reach out happy to stay in conversation 
And then one final thing before we go, I know that you are developing walking tours. Oh, so God, yeah. <laughs> where are you? Cause they'd have to be in person for that. Um, where yeah, are you I'm, located these days? Well, physically now I've moved to Europe uh, where I'm from. Uh, I'm physically now near uh, Vienna in Austria. Uh -huh. I, 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 yes, I am developing walking workshops uh, for team building for bonding for you know co co communications workshops of of, of uh, you know some types as well there there i i don't want to go big on, on on here i'm still in in the development of that but i found that when you uh when you coach people and groups teams during a, a process of activity as long as they don't get too distracted uh you know yep. you, you don't want to do this over uh sophisticated sports games or something but uh the 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 fact of uh, an underlying activity that brings a lot of oxygen into your blood into your brain does help scientifically with certain aspects of you know what you want to achieve so let me leave it there i'm developing them uh, at the moment with the view of uh you know me coming into that location Location pretty much on demand. Getting to know it, it doesn't take long. You know, some some really good uh, walks and sometimes easy hikes in the vicinity. I've developed some for Vienna, as I said, but also for London, UK, where I used to live for a while and where uh -huh. I'm very familiar with the with the outskirts of London and the great walks along the River Thames and you yeah. know other places. Yes. Uh, so 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 the, that's the underlying idea. So so watch uh, this space or, or rather watch my LinkedIn page perhaps because great. there might be a great new concept coming coming uh, people's way to try out with their teams. Sounds great. Good. Well, Oliver, I'll look forward to staying in touch and thanks for joining us today. Uh, have a great rest of your week. Absolutely. And everyone, pleasure, John. Thank you. You're welcome. And everybody, thank you for joining me uh, again on the Speak Like a Leader uh, podcast. Um, I just want to say that if you would like to develop your TED-like talk, we are doing speak like a leader experience cohorts. So it's eight people over 10 weeks developing your Ted like talk with, uh, uh, with great, great, great support. And you can find that at my website, executive speaking success.com. And if you want to go directly to the courses, you can go to ed for education, ed.executivespeakingsuccess.com. Thanks very much for joining us. I will look forward to being with you next time. Oliver Stolman, really, really appreciate you being here. Have a great day, everyone. Thank you for joining the Speak Like a Leader podcast. Go be awesome.